Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Review Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander and as always I am joined by my two co-hosts Mike Morandi and Dave Glanz. Say hello gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we discuss classic movies from a modern cinematic context to see if they hold up. You can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. So, on today's episode, the classic movie we are going to re-examine is uh, the 1989 seminal romantic comedy, When Harry Met Sally. Men and women can't be friends. Because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. Grape? No, I don't like to eat between meals. I'll roll down the window. A faceless guy rips off your clothes, and that's the sex fantasy you've been having since you were 12. Exactly the same. Well, sometimes I varied it a little. Which part? What I'm wearing. And we're back. <laughs> You're okay. right. Interesting. Yeah. We were just discussing how there is actually an ellipsis in the title, so it's when Harry met Sally, and it just keeps on going. When Harry uh, met Sally. When Harry met Sally, pause, something happened. Got when Harry met Sally, they made a movie about it. Yeah. So this is a... This is <laughs> Hang a, on, fun fact, on the movie poster, oh, it's not an ellipsis, it's a little heart, period. Uh, okay. No, that's probably... Sorry, Ivan, go for it. Not, that was the poster designed by a 14-year-old girl. Right? You're a 14 year old girl. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into this actual talking about the movie. Uh, this is a very, very famous movie, uh, almost to the point that it's um, constantly shown on TV. Yes, Mike, I see there's a heart next to the salad. <laughs> uh, it's constantly shown on cable TV. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's one of the more popular movies that you just see uh, in the ether. There are certain quotes from the movie that have uh, assimilated into pop culture, certain yep. scenes. One in particular is very, very famous, um, which we'll get into. Um, that being said, I, in rewatching this movie, I had thought that I had seen the mo- whole movie, and I had not. Oh, wow. I have only seen bits and pieces, oh. all out of order. Oh, man. And this is the first time that I've watched it all the way through, from beginning to end. And I knew this because at one point, I was laughing at like jokes that my wife has seen this movie like a million times. Mm-hmm. She's like, you haven't seen this all the way through before, have you? And I'm like, no, actually, I don't think I have. I think that my mind had told me that I had, but mm-hmm. I actually had not. So the voices was, in your mind told you. I have a lot of crazy voices in my head. So this was a interesting, uh, you know, for me to to watch this movie. Kind of almost, uh, you know, I'm going to be able to offer a, uh, you know, a, a virgin's opinion essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in more ways than one. In more ways than one. <laughs> okay, well, that's that's great. <laughs> I set myself. Father of one. I set myself. Still up a virgin. With that. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> what about all these actresses that made you a man? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't know what that's about. Mike, you are usually the one in this podcast that has never seen the movies we were talking about. Yeah. Had you seen When Harry Met Sally prior to recording this episode uh, or for this episode? And uh, if you had, what was your thoughts about it? And uh-huh. um, what did you think about watching the movie this time around? Brace yourself. I have seen this movie. Oh, man. <laughs> this, is, this is the second week in a row. When Mike saw the movie. Oh, when I saw a movie Ellipsis. and Ivan didn't see it. This is the same. What else did, was it last week? What did we do last week? Uh, Top, Gun. Top Gun. Yeah. No, not that one. Okay. Anyway. Well, anyway. anyway. Um, yeah, I, actually, I saw this movie in college. It was good. Yeah. I liked it then. And I wanted to see. I mean, I was kind of, you know, I, I, let's see if it holds up. And... Um, 
I believe it did. <laughs> I believe it did, gentlemen. I, I, have a, I, I have a big worry about this podcast. I feel like it's going to be like an episode of the Chris Farley show where it's just being like, wasn't that part really awesome when right. Well, no, happened? I think there's certain things we can talk about. We can, we can talk about the things they didn't get quite perfectly. But, uh, okay, what we view okay, there. So what's, yeah. what's, what's, yeah. what's, well, I'll just say, I, I saw it in college, I think like, there were a couple of scenes that stood out in my mind. One of them is the quote where he's like, you know, yeah, you go to a wedding, do a little bit of white man's overbite. Yeah, <laughs> like I was overbite. waiting for that line. There's, there's a couple. There's a deli scene. I think everyone, everyone's yeah. seen that. My girlfriend had seen that scene. So yeah. um, she's like, "Wait, is this the movie where they're in?" The- oh, did you watch this with your girlfriend? I did. Good yeah. because this is three white dudes talking about yes. a, a woman that's actually very famous for being so you know for females being one of their famous move, favorite movies, romantic mm-hmm. comedy, that kind yeah. of thing. So yes, we all uh, watch this with our significant others. It sounds like so yes. that's good. Um, we can at least talk about that reaction as well. Mm-hmm. And did she enjoy it? She did. Yeah, as far as I know. You yeah, didn't even ask stuff. Did you yeah, ask? I didn't, I didn't bother asking. No, no, I did. I asked what you thought about. She we liked don't have it. a it relationship good. where we talk or anything. <laughs> no. What are you going to do with talking? I, just, I don't understand the point. Um, Dave, you're up. Yeah, go. Yeah, well, so this is one of a bunch of films that I watched uh, very frequently in high school. And uh, this, you know, oh, I, I've always said very, yeah, frequently. I watched this movie a lot. I mean, it. And I think it was partially due because it's uh, partially due to the fact that I liked Rob Reiner, the, the director of this movie. Good friends. Uh, good friends. Good friends. Um, no, I, I loved uh, most of his movies. And so I, I knew that when Harry Met Sally was a Rob Reiner movie, and I liked Billy Crystal at the time, um, he wasn't uh, obnoxious the way I kind of see him now. But uh, uh, I liked him. I liked, I mean, everybody in this movie, I mean, I was, I was a fan of. So, and uh, I, I feel like. It was one of those movies that was like romantic and really made me love New York and really made me love uh, you know relationships and it just romanticizes Did kind you of hate everything. Relationships before going to this movie? No, I didn't hate relationships before going to this movie, but it, it, it we was just impressed by them. We it's just impressed. like a very warm-hearted movie, and you know the ending always really got to me, and and uh, in a similar way that say Field of Dreams, you know I get a little dusty at the end of When Harry Met Sally, the way I do with Field of Dreams, and to be perfectly honest, I think this movie holds up a lot better. For me, it holds up a lot better than Field of Dreams. Uh, it has a lot of, uh, uh, I would say it's not a perfect movie, it's, it, but uh, in a lot of ways it's a classic. And I think that um, uh, it's kind of the, it was, it's become like the model for like the modern romantic comedy. And I didn't even think about it back then. I mean, I, you know, I didn't watch a lot of like what you would call chick flicks, you know. And I just uh, happened to love this particular movie. And um, so... Yeah, I mean, I I've loved When Harry Met Sally, and and it's it's one of the one of the few movies that my wife and I both agree on, where we both like, yeah, that's really good, really great movie, and uh, you know, and I know how, I know we can talk about how it compares to Woody Allen movies, and it's kind of like a light Woody Allen kind of thing. It's it's like a a really good cover band covering Woody Allen, you know, uh, in a lot of ways. But a lot of Rob Reiner's movies were like that from you know the early '80s through the mid '90s when he was a really terrific director. So well, it's interesting. Um because I think that Nora Ephron, the, the screenwriter of this film, is almost as much of a creative aspect as the direction because yeah. this is a very dialogue very much driven. So, yeah. Every movie, yes. this movie is essentially vignettes of different dialogue scenes. Yeah. There's no action moments mm-hmm. really, I right. guess, except for the end, which we You didn't feel the movie was lacking in action scenes for a romantic comedy? <laughs> I, mean, I really felt like we needed a high speed chase. We had New York City. Why was there no when chase? When I say scene? action scenes, like you don't necessarily, like, like when you're referring to action scenes in Knife movies, point mugging. it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like. That kind of action. I'm talking about like 
scenes without dialogue that are conveyed through action. Mm-hmm. And this is not that kind of movie. Right. This is a movie where everything is conveyed right. through dialogue. It's almost like I was watching it and thinking this is almost like a precursor to, to a lot of pop culture in the 90s, like Seinfeld. It came out the same year the yeah. Seinfeld the premiere. It was very Seinfeldian. Yeah, yeah. Friends. In fact, you know. in fact, it's funny that you mentioned that because my main note is this feels like an episode of Seinfeld. Absolutely, it feels yeah. incredibly mm-hmm. Seinfeldian. And I yeah. don't know if that's Nora Ephron's voice. I don't know if that's Billy Crystal, who was an up-and-coming comedian at that mm-hmm. time, if that's his you know, the Jewish humor, the Jewish mm. comedian coming through yeah. at that yeah, point. Because yeah. I know he, some of those jokes, I guarantee you are crystal jokes that oh, are not yeah. from Ephron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I uh, I think that's very interesting. Um, I should state that I did enjoy the movie as well. I think it's a, it, this is a good movie. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. yeah. It's hard It's hard, It's hard. hard to begrudge this movie. There's a reason this movie is so popular. Mm. Um, I do think it's interesting looking at this movie in 2014 when it comes out in 1989, almost as an artifact of New York in the 80s mm-hmm. and what it was... Uh, just what I pictured New York to look like when mm-hmm. I was growing up mm-hmm. versus, like, I, I think that if you watched a lot of movies of, that featured New York in the 1980s and early 90s, everyone looked a certain way and dressed a certain way and everyone had therapists mm-hmm. and they all go to, you know, right. we, they all go to uh, exercise aerobic classes yeah, right, and wear yeah. leg warmers. Like, there's a very, like, distinct... The, the apartments are larger than anyone the, can really afford. The, the apartments <laughs> right, are yeah. these gigantic, spacious, gorgeous apartments. a millionaire for that apartment in New York City with a view of the skyline, <laughs> all that yeah. space. There's well, no I got way. the impression, yeah, it's like the state, and, and as far as um, that's concerned, I feel like, uh, you know, these are... are people whose lives are on the line this is not life and death here this is just this is a relationship comedy and i think as that kind of movie it works really well but i mean there's no you know no there's no real life and death stakes here i mean it's it's uh it's all emotional i think billy crystal is fighting for his immortal soul in this movie (laughs) right I don't know how it takes to get any higher. Yeah, no, these really are clearly, clearly two uh, well-off people, people who uh, whose careers aren't a problem, and yeah. and, uh, and that's that's not what the movie's about. Yeah, I think the whole movie, to me, I mean, I think it, it, it was definitely stylized as like. Um, I think it's exaggerated in many ways, and like a lot of different. Like, there's a lot of scenes in there that I don't think are actually realistic, or I think like wouldn't happen exactly the way. I feel like it's, oh, it's almost like. So I think in some way that's why it didn't really bother me that he has this huge apartment, and in some way to be, I think it works for the story. I think visually, it's it's the emptiness in his life. He has that barren, empty apartment. And then, yeah. Well, we'll come back to that, but him and, yeah. and Sally are filling that. Yeah. So, um, we all liked the movie. We all yeah. thought it was very, very good. <laughs> yeah. uh, Shake each other's hands. <laughs> I think we can call it a day. Uh, the thing about this movie is it's famous for asking the central question, or at least bringing this idea in pop culture that a man cannot be friends with a woman in uh, because there's always sexual tension between mm-hmm. them. Um, One better way to answer we, that before than we a room ta- full of men. Well, what do you think the answer is? it possible, in your opinion, for a man to be friends with a woman without any sexual funny business going on? Huh. Interesting. I would say yes. I would say yes. Um, I think, is it common? No. I don't think so. I think, see, I think, I think our society places an overemphasis on sex and maybe not so much romance, but like I think that it, there's... A certain amount of like, you know, I think any of us, if we have a guy that's hanging out with a girl a lot, everyone's going to assume that there's some kind of romantic interest. No one would ever say like, oh, they're just friends. Everyone is always like, hey, so what's going on with you and what's her name? Mm-hmm. I think that's just kind of an, assu- an assumption that everybody makes. Um, so I feel like there's that, that pressure and that expectation placed on a relationship between a guy and a girl no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have plenty of friends who are female and I've there are no, right. there's no attraction. There's nothing, like nothing ever happened. There's nothing, you know. Right. And um, 
And I think there's other been other relationships where I've been friends with a girl, but I was attracted to, and I mm-hmm. wanted something to happen, and then necessarily didn't necessarily happen. Right. Um, and I think those kinds of friendships never last because I knew from well, for me, I'm like, well, I'm interested in this person, so it's not going to work if if it doesn't work out that way. I don't think it's easy for me just to kind of. And I think that's across the board. I think most guys, if you like a girl and you're just relegated to being friends with them, it can be painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think and the same, you know, and vice versa. And vice versa, right? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think at some point that always comes to a head no matter, like, whichever side is interested. So mm-hmm. I think if neither side are attracted to them, I think the point that Billy Crystal makes is that, like, which I disagree with, is that, like, well, we're just, like, sexual beings. We're going to have sex. Even if it's just female, even if you're not attracted, you'll eventually just have sex there because that's what we guys do. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I think you can have a, a friendship with someone and not be interested in it being completely platonic, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had friends in college that were girls that are, you know, that I didn't have relationships with. But at the same time, you can see a little kernel of truth in what Billy Crystal's saying, where it is difficult. If I think what he's really saying is, you, a man and a woman can't uh, can't be friends if it's the kind of woman that you would normally be attracted to, say, or the kind of man that you would normally be attracted to, because he's saying there is this little element that uh, you're thinking. You know, it's 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 a biological reaction. I mean, I I've been friends with with girls that I'm attracted to. It doesn't mean I mean there can be an attraction there. There's just not going to be. Uh, and again, you know, there's not going to be the same kind of connection to say when you, when you actually get involved with somebody. You know, when you get or when you get married. I mean, it's it's not the same thing. You can be a, find someone attractive and uh, still be friends with them. So I think you know that's kind of a roundabout way of saying me saying yes. I think it is possible for a man and a woman to be friends yes of course but i think as you grow older i think the kind of friendships you have change so for instance uh in college you know i had a lot of friends that were single and a lot of friends that were in relationships and you know the, the, depending on on uh you know when you were in a relationship you kind of tend to lean towards having couple friends right because you want to have that's that's something that you end up having in common um when you're single you have you end up i think you a lot of people lean towards having single friends and uh, those single friends can be women because then you can talk about the guys they're dating. You can talk about the girls you're dating and mm-hmm. or whoever. Um, so, and I think as you get older, uh, you know, I find myself having fewer and fewer friends that aren't like, uh, you know, in a, in a similar situation, a similar station in life. Um, so, you know, they could be men, they could be women. Um, I think what they're really trying to say with this movie is that uh, friendship was kind of, it can be kind of a really good path falling in love I mean as opposed to I met my wife um, you know we, we met on a website and we, we didn't become friends the we, website uh, yeah, that's that very <laughs> strangely vague a, like, a website a website and you know just like a lot of people do these days it's a furry website and um, <laughs> <laughs> yes a furry website right um, I'm sorry and you know a lot of people do start out you know as friends just like in this movie you start out as friends and then you know it turns into something else um so I think obviously it is possible. I don't know and about. I've, I've I don't seen know many, friend, many many relationships that again started as friends, but they just hung out a lot. They were just they really were genuinely friends, and it ended mm-hmm. up deepening into something else, which is I yeah. think a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. And I like that the the movie kind of, um, and especially that I, I think it would have been, I think it would have been lame story wise and character wise. I think for Billy Crystal just to be always interested, always interested, always interested, and eventually he gets her. It's like mm-hmm. eh. I like the journey he takes where he starts out where he's trying to sleep with her, trying to sleep with her. Mm-hmm. Then he gets married, falls in love with a woman. She breaks his heart. And he's completely neutered, mm-hmm. and he's kind of going through his own struggles. And he's actually not interested at all. And I think, I think it, at that point, it, it reverses. I think she is interested in him, mm-hmm. or at least mildly so. And he's just like, I can't even think. Well, about at that, that third, at that third point in the movie, that's when she asks him out to dinner, and then they tell they right. become friends because it's like, even, yeah, it right, kind right, of levels right. the playing field, right? Yeah, a little bit. yeah. Well, so, what do you think? 
What do I think about love? Love. Here we go. <laughs> oh God. Men and women. Uh, brace yourself. People don't. You don't have to agree with what he's about to say. No, I agree. I tend to agree more with Dave's point of view. Uh, but the idea. Here's what I think. I think that guys can be friends with girls and never have sex with them, and you know, not have to be a problem in their relationship. I think that is totally possible. That being said, I think every guy thinks about it with every girl he ever talks to, even if he's not attracted to them. I yeah. think it crosses your mind at least once. Yeah, at a least little, once. A bit. I mean, and you, it could be even just be like, I think there's a statistic, like a scientific statistic, that like men think about sex every 30 seconds or something like that. I think that's a little extreme. That's like the whole 10% of your brain thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like there's something like, that's probably a huge like BuzzFeed overgeneralization about right. how men's psyche works. Right. But Damn I think that is true that just scientifically we're biologically like we think about that even if we don't even want to we yeah. think about it like I think or even necessarily you're evaluating it not necessarily you want to but you consider I think exactly. it's a consideration or it's exactly. a thought of so I think that that being so I mean and that's the reason why you know non-gender uh, if you're friends with someone from a different gender why that is um, that's out there also mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting and they bring this up as a point in the movie um Okay, let's say I go, I'm married. Let's say I go out to see a movie with Mike or Dave. Just, you know, mm-hmm. we're hanging out. We go see a movie. That's totally cool. But mm-hmm. if I call up a girl who's just my friend and go out to see a movie with Not her, cool. mm-hmm. I don't know how cool that would be with my wife. Right, yeah. And, and there could be no... That's what I'm saying. It's like, it should be, I don't it, think. it changes. Yeah. You, you know, your situation changes as you, and there, as like, you get older. There could be no sex involved with that idea. Right. There could be nothing romantic involved with mm-hmm. that. But it's just the idea is like, why do you need to go to another female when you've got me right. as the female that should be going to do that <laughs> right. with you? Right. Which is, uh, um, maybe that's sexist or whatever, but I think that is just kind of... Uh, that's something that so. Well, you have to put yourself in her shoes. How would you feel if she started hanging out with a guy? With me? What if, out, what if Rebecca and I went out to go see a movie? Oh, yeah, how would you that. feel about yeah, that? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Brian Kane, how would you feel about that not, one? Not comfortable with that. <laughs> uh, no, it's just that there's, uh, yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's, that's something uh, that's more, de- like, that's emotional cheating in a way, right? Yeah. You're cheating emotionally because you're sharing an emotional experience not even romantically with somebody that they don't get to be privy to. So I think that is fair. And I think Billy Crystal's character mentions that. He's like, you know, even that doesn't work because then the other significant other thinks you're going outside of the relationship to get something that they can't provide. And so that ends up destroying that. So um, I think that to sum this all up, I think that Billy Crystal's central point is true, but with modifiers or amendments. I would say it's it's difficult, but not impossible. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, all right, that's a good, yeah, that's a good Difficult, way to but not impossible. And yeah. much like all things in life, there is no black and white answer to anything. There's always shades of gray. Right. Um, so let's get into talking about this. That was our male conversation about love. I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> now let's get into talking Thrilling. about this movie as a movie. As yeah. a movie. As a, as, a film. as a body of work. Because what it does is it does a lot of very unique things. Um, uh, at least I feel it does. Um, I don't think it has a very traditional plot structure. Mm-hmm. I think there are there are moments that feel like they hit certain plot beats. Um, in the the third act, I would say it starts when Harry and Sally finally do sleep together. Right. That's kind of the start of the third act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still, just the start of this movie is essentially, as I said, vignettes of mm-hmm. just scenes mm-hmm. of isolated scenes, um, and that's a very it's like, it's like it. it it's like they're telling the story to you in the, in the way that the people are doing the uh, little interviews. Oh, that's interviews. very interesting. You know, Actually, it's like, it's like, like yeah. well, this happened, and then this happened, and then and five years later, this happened. Let's take a know? quick break. I, I, I would never got around to looking. Are, are these 
Are those actual couples telling actual stories, or is that scripted? I feel like they're real couples. It seemed very genuine to me, but some of the stories seemed too perfect, where I was like, I wonder if this was real. You're half right, and I remember watching that just being completely convinced that they were just real couples. And there have been other movies since then, like uh, the movie Bernie, if you've ever seen the movie Bernie by Richard Linklater, has a similar thing happening, a similar structure where people that look like they're really telling stories of, of their memories. Turns out, Nora Ephron, who's the screenwriter of this movie, when she couldn't think of something to write, and this is from Wikipedia, uh, she uh, would interview people in relationships, just people who were, I think she was single at the time, and uh, so was Rob Reiner. Which, so a lot of the bitterness and cynicism of Billy Crystal's character was kind of poured into uh, from, from Rob Reiner. Anyway, so she interviewed uh, people, and then just, I think she recorded those interviews. They hired actors to basically just act out those scenes. And so that's based one of my, on truth. Yeah, there are wow. true stories, I, just just retold by by really okay. really good actors. Okay, that's I'm okay with that. I thought I'm like I'm really hoping these aren't just like made up stories. I'm going to feel really sad. Well, I, yeah. There are really funny. Uh, I mean, the reason that leads me to believe that they're actors is there are moments that are very comedically hit at the right time, right. like the couple yeah. that keeps talking over one over another. Over each other. Yeah, right. that, that was the one that actually where I'm like it's too perfect. Right. Yeah. They, they, I always thought that they just interviewed so many people and they just picked the perfect uh, like the funniest like, ones, four or five yeah. perfect ones. Because they all seem very genuine, and I'm like I can't. Mm-hmm. Imagine these people are good actors. They seem so like senile and like out of right. it, and just like I right. went down to the store. Yeah, you know, and yeah, they're funny without being like over the top funny. I mean, they're yeah. like yeah. You know, and I was thinking about this movie. Like, what for me? Why does this movie hold up? Why is it still funny? And I think things are funny because they're either surprising, right, or they're true in a kind of painful, painful mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the things in this movie are true in a painful way, even if they're exaggerated. We don't agree with all the points of view in the movie. Uh, you know, someone may not agree with the whole men and women can't be friends thing. I still think they hit a lot of points uh, that feel, you know, true. And you're like, you know, it's kind of like a knowing laugh kind of movie for the most part. There are some, like, I can see certain moments and, in, in, you know, people in 1989 probably, you know, real, uh, real laugh out loud moments uh, like the, um, How the, the or- like the, the cat's deli scene, the orgasm scene probably had people. You know, I imagine there. You know. Oh yeah, both. Of them, yeah, I was laughing my ass off when it was happening. Yeah. So was my girlfriend. You, just yeah. the looks of people as they're turning around, like, what the hell is going on? You can imagine on? what I people were thinking. <laughs> okay, so we'll come back. We'll come back. Yeah, to I, it. I, we'll come back to it. Fact, I do. I do as well. I, yeah. I said it out loud. I, as well, it was first happening. off, but like, that is this is the most famous scene in the movie by yeah, far. Right. It's a scene where um, um, Harry Billy Crystal's character claims that he's good at getting women off and she claims well, how do you know they don't fake it mm-hmm. and uh, she's like he's like oh I can tell and then she proceeds to fake an amazing orgasm right now here's my issue I don't think it's that's within, not her character that's not Sally's not character not her character, yeah. character and, and that's what I character. said and I have a response from it's, my wife that I'm gonna relay here okay well, because Sally up to this point is uh portrayed as someone who is always in control mm-hmm. is a little uh, she would not be bold enough to do that in a crowded absolutely deli. not you're and, right and if they were maybe if they were in, if his, they were apartment in his apartment absolutely himself, that's exactly absolutely. what I would, yeah. mm-hmm. but then the scene yep. is not funny mm-hmm. because you don't have her in a public place faking an orgasm right it's so, a different tone at that point it becomes more of like yeah so it, is the scene funny yes. yes is it a good scene yes is it within her character no it's not yeah okay so what Michelle my wife was pointing out was that there's something about Harry about Harry that kind of makes her a little uh, bolder. And, and there's a little evidence earlier in the movie when they're walking into the, um, when they're on the, on the road together. The movie starts out that they're at the University of Chicago taking a road trip. He's driving, they're driving to uh, New York together and they stop in this restaurant and uh, 
he, you know, as they're about to step in, he said, he turns to her and says, it's clear that clear to me that you haven't had good sex. And then he walks inside and then she walks inside kind of flustered and she, she blurts out in front of everybody. Oh, it just point. so happens I have had plenty of good sex. So it's, it's like, there's, I feel but like there's something, mistake, but you see her reaction when she says that she's like, Oh geez. Like that, that was kind of, she didn't think about this. Yeah. This was, this was premeditated. This right. was not a spur of the moment. Well, it wasn't a crime of it passion. Was, well, it was premeditated within like 30 seconds. It wasn't like she went to. To lunch with the, 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 the yeah, no, I, 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 so there's to some, give you credit. This is a good argument. I'm almost yeah. buying this. So yeah, yeah this you is give not my bad. wife credit. And, and, and I, I would think it was say if it was faster, I don't think I don't it's think a her little character, bit over the top. I think well, yeah, I, that's why I said in the beginning of the movie. I feel like it's a little a bit, lot the movie the exa- is exaggerated to me. I feel like I kind of overlooked that in the sense the exact same reason why you're saying it right. because like I mean there he are, brings her out of Rochelle more. He's kind of helping her kind of break down all those yeah. little like you know yeah. control freaky tendencies. Yeah, um, but I feel like it, it would have been more realistic if she had been. It was a momentary lapse of judgment where she started doing it, and then she like saw people looking at her, and then she stopped. But see, I see it as like she's. It's almost like he makes her so flustered and angry that like oh, I'll show him, you know, that kind of thing. It's not even a, not even a, maybe a good quality. It's like a. It's, it's a, almost that she's <laughs> reasserting control by proving she's right. 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 Um, which I, you know what. Yeah, kudos to your wife. That's right. not actually not a bad yeah. argument. I'm good and, with that. And it's it's a broad stroke in a movie that you know it's not all broad strokes. I mean, like the, the big speech at the end, where you know, which I feel like is actually a pretty good speech. You know, where he you mm. know. It's, Let's talk uh, about that end monologue. So yeah. the end of the movie, um, skipping ahead, is uh, after they've slept together for the first time. Uh, things get ha- awkward. Things have gotten awkward. Harry, Harry realizes that Sally is the girl for him. He runs to her in. Very cliche romantic comedy form. Action sequence, right. but it's a cliche by the way. because it kind of Runs set her, the standard. You know, right <laughs> as the new year's starting um, to proclaim his love for her, right uh, in front of everyone. I've been doing a lot of thinking, and the thing is, I love you. What? I love you. How do you expect me to respond to this? How about you love me too? How about I'm leaving? Doesn't what I said mean anything to you? I'm sorry, Harry. I know it's New Year's Eve. I know you're feeling lonely, but you just can't show up here, tell me you love me, and expect that to make everything all right. It doesn't work this way. Well, how does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely, and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Now, I think... Here's what I think about that speech. I think it's great. I think it's incre- I think it's just I think there's a certain fantasy element of it yeah. that is fantastic right. because every man has wanted to be that eloquent when talking to a woman. Right. Um, I don't excuse think excuse me. Wanted to be <laughs> <laughs> or was yeah. everyone well, except it, Mike Miranda in, in, in heated important moments in your life. You wish you, you you know so you end up looking back like oh I should have said that. And, yeah. And, right. like, and, he's saying exactly what you should say. I no, related to Aaron, Aaron. I pity the rest of you mortals. The the Aaron, <laughs> I, it's like the Aaron Sorkin way of writing dialogue, where everyone says things in situations how you wish you could say them in right, real life, right, even right. though no one talks like that. So is that scene realistic? No, but I totally bought into it, and mm. I totally think it works in the movie, right? Uh, because of these certain exaggerated moments throughout right. the film that mm. aren't realistic. That's what I'm saying. I think that the whole movie has that style of being a little exaggerated and a little over the top, or a little bit, you know. But I, at that point, it's been set up so much. Where I'm like, yes, yeah, it's fine. It's mm-hmm. okay, you know. Um, 
did you cry? <laughs> cry. I didn't shed a single tear. <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 scene really works on works works for me. And uh, you know, there's there's for the most part, this movie doesn't have any false notes. As for, for at least not for me. I mean, it, you know, I, there are some things that feel like uh, you know, it, it 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 does seem like they're just performing a routine, or it feels a little bit staged, a little sitcommy. But um, you know, it's the kind of movie that I feel like could have uh, not held up well, or or kind of veered off and just you know just gone into schlocky territory but uh i think there's something really heartfelt and i think a lot of that is because it comes you know reading about it it comes from uh you know the filmmakers and the writers personal experiences so it doesn't feel like something that was just cooked up to you know to now, make money as a romantic comedy who was rob reiner at this point in his career what had he, what did he made at this point was princess bride that yes. exist yeah this was between princess bride and misery so he was kind of at the peak of his i would mm. say the peak of his career at this of his point. rob reiner of his rob reiner's yeah i mean <laughs> very few directors kind of had this uh that i can think of had this terrific streak of of critical and commercial hits i mean he um his first movie was spinal tap uh this is spinal tap with oh, right, uh, michael right. mckean and christopher guest and it's it kind of set the um the standard for for mockumentary comedies which you don't see as as many of those now, but I mean, it's you, I guess you see them on TV a lot. I mean, like something like The Office or or, or so he you know. did Stand by Me, The right. Princess Bride, then When Harry Met Sally, then Misery, then A Few Good Men. That is a huge. And, that's a and, great streak. And The American President, right? He he killing it. And even and to, it. and to this day, and then he did North, which we can forget about. Yes, yes. And to this day, I don't understand. <laughs> I already forgot. It, it, to me, it's like he made a deal with the devil, and and it, the, that deal ended in the mid '90s because and, he hasn't even there. Are other, other directors who, who made a lot of great films like he did and then they, they kind of made bad films but then they come back like Woody Allen for instance I mean he had this amazing streak in the 70s and 80s and then a lot of his films weren't very good and then he kind of really bounced back with movies like Match Point and um, I would say Vicky Cristina Barcelona and uh, well, Woody Mid- Midnight Allen, Paris and so he you know he, Woody ahead. Allen is so prolific as a writer he writes and directs a movie a every year. year every year so yeah. if you're going to be making that much stuff it all can't be good is my yeah. theory with Woody Allen right. I just think he was, you're a yeah. genius <laughs> right it's like he's just throwing at the wall and I you, know, be that genius. you throw enough crap at the wall eventually you're going to hit a target you know so, because and, good work takes more than like, especially a movie it usually does, yeah. takes more than a year to get made yeah. and he's doing it every year so yeah. that's at, my at how old is he now he's how he's yeah, he's, he's almost 80. I'm I sure. mean, at that point, I'd be lucky Rob. if I could pee standing up, uh, you know, let alone make a movie. Yeah, my biggest concern is that I can, like, wake up the next morning. Yeah, yeah. He's writing. He's got to finish his screenplay every yeah. year. Yeah, and Rob Reiner, unfortunately, just, I mean, he, I can't, well, I can't think I can't think of a single, he's he's much better now as an actor than he is as, as well, a director. Well, I'm actually looking at his uh, directorial filmography, and after The American <laughs> President, it's a pretty sharp decline. It's yes. almost like a stock market crash. Like I said, a cliff. It's like he went off a cliff. North is... Famous for having this, uh, so his, his follow up uh, to the American President, which was a, a great, pretty great movie. With it's actually my favorite. The American President is my favorite romantic comedy of all time. Oh, okay, of yeah, all time. with uh, Michael Douglas Whoa. and Annette Bening. Because um, it's an Aaron, it's Aaron Sorkin before he became an Eric Sorkin cliche. Right. It's Rob Reiner, I, I guess, when he was still doing good work, and it's got right. Michael Douglas and Annette. Oh, Bening. and did we mention a few good men? I mean, that, yeah, yes, I a, said a that. few good men. I mean, that's like so. The know. lesson here is just don't sell your soul to the devil because your career will be so <laughs> short lived. Because you have to maintain that it's a constant blood sacrifice. Rumor has so. it in the bucket list. But in, yeah, oh, I know. The a lot of bad list. movies, unfortunately. But, you know, Rob Reiner comes from, his father was Carl Reiner, who was a famous comedian in the, I guess, 40s, 50s, and 60s. And, uh, you know, and Rob Reiner himself was famous, was already famous before he was a director for being on um, the, t- the TV show called All in the Family with uh, Archie Bunker, with, uh, right, right, right. with uh, Archie Bunker as the character and the actor who plays him is... Uh, 
drawing a blank here, but uh, it was a terrific show for most of its run. Have you ever seen All, All in the Family? Yeah, I see. Yeah, and um, you know, can't think. Of, I'm trying to think of his name. I couldn't think of Archie. Archie Bunker is the character, the character and played uh, by the actor. Is uh, I think I is know. he like a girl's name or something? Like it, it's like a it Kelsey is. or Le- Leslie or. Oh, you're right. You're right. I, oh uh, my god. Hold on. Anyway. I'm gonna figure it out. You keep talking. Uh, so yeah, he was you know he he was famous for playing the the kind of liberal um, uh, side to the conservative bigoted kind of main character Archie Bunker. Anyway, so he was familiar with comedy. Uh, he had, I, th- I think, Rob Reiner, you know, for a long period, had just kind of great chops when it came to writing, directing, and acting in comedies. I mean, um, even the movies that he directed that were that you would say were dramatic. I mean, he still was able to kind of inject a little bit of humor into them. Um, Carol like O'Connor. This is a guy's Carol name. O'Connor, yeah. right, Carol. Um, but, uh, you know, he's always been good at kind of finding a, a nice balance between drama and comedy. I mean, and when Harry Met Sally is definitely leans more towards comedy, but, uh, uh, you know, there are dramatic elements to it uh, that, that feel very truthful. I mean, Stand By Me was uh, another movie, I think, that holds up really well. I don't know if you guys has you guys seen Stand By Me? Uh, I, have I have seen Stand By Me. I've yeah. been going to do in this podcast yeah. because I haven't revisited that movie in quite a while. Yeah. Um, but that's like the seminal coming of age film. Right. So he followed up the seminal coming of age movie with the seminal romantic comedy. comedy yeah. And he, so he's... He, and, you know, like the seminal courtroom drama maybe with A Few Good Men and, and Misery itself. I remember... Have you, have you guys seen Misery? Yeah. I have actually never seen Misery. Oh, it's a terrific... It's And that's another one that really holds up. I mean, so his movies to me have... have Though you know, during this period, it really is to the test of time. So. But the uh, and then the other the other Princess Bride. Oh, the other God, component so here good. is is Nora Ephron, who's not mm. only a screenwriter, but then went on to become a famous director in her own right before she passed away. Right, uh, which I believe she passed away a couple years ago. Now. Yeah, it was pretty recent. Um, but, but you know, her stuff was okay. I mean, her she stuff had, always. <laughs> She got praised for being a director a lot, and I never quite got the appeal. Yeah. These movies like Sleepless in Seattle, which I believe she directed, and, wrote, yeah. and uh, You Got Mail, is that is that her as well? Those movies veer into bad romantic comedy territory yeah. for me. Yeah. And it's weird with the romantic comedy genre because I can I'm I'm a, I'm almost an apologist for it at times because, like I said, I'm a huge fan of the American President. Mm-hmm. I actually like the movie Why You Were Sleeping quite a bit, mm-hmm. which is a very the Sandra Bullock movie, the Sandra Bullock movie which yeah. is a very uh, formulaic romantic comedy. Yeah. Um, but those movies do a good job of establishing interesting characters that you actually care about them getting together. Right. Um, and some of the like some of the way she wrote stuff in her f- future movies, I just don't feel like people would talk that way. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think that When Harry Met Sally is such a standout for her is I do feel like these are conversations that people might have. Now, they right. might be more eloquent mm-hmm. when they're having them, but I think that the topics they are t- concerning and the problems, yes, they are for you know well-to-do people in New York, but at the same time, um, they are human things that everyone can relate to. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I mean, um, this movie—it's fascinating. This, like you know, like we discussed, this movie doesn't have very many. Doesn't have a huge amount of action sequences. It doesn't have right. a huge amount of plot, really. But it really uh, moves. But it moves quickly, quickly and yeah. it's in, it's interesting because we as humans, I believe, are fascinated in the relationships of other people, and that that is evidence when you go talk to your friends about who they're dating and yeah. all the stories about that. Right. We love knowing this right. kind of stuff, and this movie really taps into that kind of exactly. Kind of stuff, yeah. It taps into that innate curiosity of how 
you know, things work. Yeah. Um, and and uh, it's, you know, and I think one of the things that really makes it work is is the fact that Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan really had good chemistry in this movie. Yeah. You know, and and, and, uh, and it's not just I that. Think I mean, they, that they, had, they had two really good supporting players, too, Carrie yes. Fisher and Bruno yes. Kirby. I love Bruno so, Kirby. Yeah, Bruno Kirby this, was yeah. fantastic. Rocking I mean, the stash. Uh, and he, he's famous for that stash. Yeah. yeah. Because he had it in City Silkers, I believe, too. Yeah, he, that was a couple years later. I think this is a movie where you have, like, I think they're both, very charismatic people. I would say I'm saying the, the two leads yeah. of uh, Crystal and uh, yeah. Meg Ryan. Ryan was. I mean, looking back on this, it's like this was kind of her breakthrough role. This is the reason I kind of thought of this movie was because we had seen Top Gun. Meg Ryan was in it, and I just it, I was like, I haven't seen this movie in a while. And, and she, <laughs> this was her breakthrough role. I'm su- I'm surprised she wasn't nominated for an Oscar. I mean, I'm sure she was nominated for like a Golden Globe, but she's really kind of fantastic in this movie. I mean, I, did, I, yeah. I mean, she's really, really good. Um, she is good. Really natural, really like you can see why she became a star after. Mm-hmm. after this. Now, um, it's interesting talking about the casting, of this movie, because you have Billy Crystal, who I would not define as a typical leading man. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's not a terrible-looking dude by he, any means. He but was kind of back then. He was. I mean, his movies were pretty successful. You know, City Slickers. When I say leading man, like he's not a George. He's Clooney not the type. guy. Especially, oh, no, in the, he's no. not the, the guy that women are going to fawn over. Right. Yeah. Or they go um, to the movie just to and, see how hot he. Because even in the beginning, like when he's talking, about, he's a typical college college hunk where he's like, yeah. you know, he's got all the ladies going after him. Right. Like I don't. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> you know, like would they really go out there? Yeah. He, yeah, he didn't right. quite have the moon face thing going on at that point. Right. Right. And actually, I gotta say, I think yeah. he's a fairly good-looking dude. Yeah. College, and better fact, with a beard. <laughs> the beard was not great. I thought I, the beard was better. I was not a fan. No, actually, I think he looked better in college. If we're gonna talk about how attractive he is, him in college is pretty attractive. I gotta say. Yeah, the hair was all flattened down. It wasn't Jew furrowed up. It was just <laughs> right, so, so age wise. I think Billy Crystal was thirty nine or forty, and Meg Ryan was about ten years younger than him. In, okay, in like, not. I think the characters were supposed to be about the same age. But I uh, looked at. Did you think? Part. Yeah, for the, I, um, I think so. Well, they're definitely supposed to be the same age because yeah, yeah they're in college. They're the college together. Yeah, so, yeah, I, think so I, he, I, I, I buy Meg stunned. Ryan as a 32, 33 year old by the end of the movie more than I buy. Billy Crystal yeah. started to look closer to 40, 41. I, I was stunned at the, the difference between him and Kyle. When I saw him in the beginning of the movie, I'm like, wow, he's young in this movie. And yeah. then when he got to the set, I'm like, oh, wait, he's actually he the safe. age I thought yeah, he, he was in this movie. Yeah, he looked much yeah. older. I think they did a great job. I don't know if it was it a wig? Was it like, what did they do to make him oh, look so sure. much younger? Oh, yeah, definitely wig, um, wig and makeup. And then with her, I think her wardrobe made her look. It was one scene when she's walking through the park. She's got this like horrific like bowler hat on and like yeah. this. Well, that was shoulder a, pads going out well, five that was, yards in that was, direction. That leads me to think that we should talk about a little bit about the nods to Woody Allen movies. That's you know? definitely a Diane Keaton thing from yeah. uh, Annie Hall, right? Hall. This because, movie's like yeah. a cover. This movie, like I said, is like a cover of Woody Allen in, in a lot of ways, and that's like a cover of of of. Diane Keaton's character, Annie Hall, in the movie Annie Hall. Well, the thing about uh, Diane Keaton's character in Annie Hall, and I don't want to go on this tangent too far, is that mm-hmm. I feel like her fashion sense in that movie inspired so much of 80s fashion, yeah. 90s fashion after right. that movie was released. Right. Because it was the idea of almost... Um, Have like you seen a, Annie Hall? No. Of like a woman dressing movie. like a... Classic. Like a woman wearing man-like clothes. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Like she's she's got these suits, suits and pants, and, and pants suits yeah. and no bowler pants, hats. pants, kind of skirts, loose kind of kind of loose fitting. Oh. I think I think pants have skirts, don't vests. They? No, I mean, it's called a pantsuit. But the, okay, um, I'm going to research this. Continue. Continue. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah, it was like it, <laughs> what better movie to discuss this on, though, honestly. Yeah. So she, you know, the fashion definitely, you know, kind of brought me back a little bit to make you think, like, yeah, that's what that's what you know, like the the height of the jeans and the way things are tucked in and 
and uh, the way people dance and the aerobic scene, for instance, all those, you know, in the, the clothes they wore and all that stuff. I mean, it is just definitely a sweater. Like a, it's just the sweaters that Billy Crystal wears yeah. in the movie. <laughs> yeah. like, he got some, he's got some 80s sweaters yeah. going on. Like, yes. In the 80s, just everyone wore, like, everyone wore, like, collared shirts and then mm. sweaters over them. Yeah. Like, yeah. at all times of the year. Yeah. And, like, and, hey, real quick, still do that. real quick, I just I want to confirm. Dave's Ivan a big was, sweater fan. <laughs> Dave loves a good sweater. I've seen him wear two at a time. Ivan was correct. Pantsuits actually have pants in them. Strangely. They're enough. called pantsuits. You're called a pantsuit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's interesting because um, also the height differential between the two of them is an interesting thing. Because he's a short guy and yeah. she's a tall woman. And, huh. and I didn't, actually didn't pick up on that. Yeah, it looks like they're about I normally the notice that, but I didn't in this movie. Um, I mean, she's not towering over I mean, him, but she's... It's obvious when Woody Allen's in a movie and he's he, because he's very short and it seems like all the leading ladies are taller than... Than him. He cast them that way. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Woody Allen. Yeah. <laughs> you creep. Yeah, he's a little creepy guy. Uh, Did something happen with him and his like, Okay, let's talk about it. No, no, no. We're going way. We can't get into that. All right. Okay. Sorry, guys. This is a podcast where we talk about movies and actors. We talk about Dave's first love in movie theaters. We can't talk about Woody Allen. Let's talk about your favorite scene. Let's go around, Robin. Favorite scene. Mike, what is your favorite scene in the movie? I really enjoyed the scene where they first see each other after that college, where she drops him off and they don't see each other again and he meets, he runs into her at the airport and mm. he stops because you think he's seeing him stop because he sees her mm. and then he stops because he's talking he sees his friend Joe and he's like, Joe, what's going on? And she's looking at him and then all of a sudden he looks at her and he's like, well, I, I, I thought it was all very subtle, like seeing facial expressions, how they interact and then how he follows up with her on the plane. I, I enjoy that. Off the top of my head, I, I could probably think of a different scene I like better, but I, I enjoyed that scene in particular. I thought that was... Uh, yeah. Hmm. Next. Yeah. <laughs> Next. Take it away, Dave. Next. It's it's interesting. It's uh, I probably should have had a thought about this in advance because there's so many scenes. There's a Do lot. Do you want of me to choose one while you think? Yeah. Well, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, my my favorite scene is the opening scene of the movie when they first introduce one another. Uh-huh. One because I think it's it's basically that whole, I would say the whole sequence of them driving right. uh, up until they get to the diner. One because. It's a longer sequence of them just talking, which mm-hmm. I think is always great when you can carry a movie just through great dialogue and acting. Mm-hmm. But uh, just little moments about that scene, I think, are really subtle. Spits I think out the window, the window's th- up. That's that joke. I think is really funny. That's great, and yeah. it's a great way to start the movie. Him spitting also, out the grapes, and then he just looks at her. He doesn't apologize. He says, "I'll roll down the window," right. which is, I think, a great like just the way he looks at it. Like he's like he's, he's too cool. to say I also I'm love sorry. before that where he says like, "Why don't you tell me the story of your life?" Like he's just like, "Let's get let's get this over with, guys." Yeah. He's, he's Mr. Cool. And yeah. that whole sequence is just really well. Did played. you notice the um, the answer. continuity error? They're driving. They cut to a shot outside the car. The windows up. When they cut back in, the windows down again. Ooh, no, got him. No. Got him. That'll show him. Yeah. This movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll show him. Right. Uh, Dave, what's your favorite scene? <laughs> um, well, I think, and I, and I don't know if this is a good place to segue into this because this is like oh, something that's been boy. nagging, nagging at me. Oh, my my, my favorite scenes. My favorite scene, uh, I think probably growing up, maybe was the uh, Pictionary scene where, where Bruno Kirby yells out, you know, oh. baby fish mouth. <laughs> baby fish mouth. <laughs> you know, that, was, that was the scene I remember just like laughing hysterically as, <laughs> as a kid. You know, but I think as I watched it more, I, I really, I, I kind of leaned towards the end. I always loved the uh, Billy Crystal being right. kind of depressed okay. at the end. Uh, and then, and then the, speech, the speech at the end, it's kind of an obvious choice. But having experienced life, uh, you know, I, I watched this movie in high school. So I was, you know, like what, 14 or 15 when I watched it. And I had a very different perspective on this movie back then. And uh, I don't want to get into too depressing territory here, but I, 
the last time I saw this movie was shortly after, um, you know, I had, I, I was married previously and I'm now married with, with a daughter, but uh, it was shortly after my divorce. And, uh, you know, I, I realized that I was in the same situation as Harry, as Billy Crystal's character. And, uh, I was watching this movie with Michelle and, uh, thinking, oh my God, this is, like I watched this movie as a kid growing up and I never even thought for a second that, uh, that I would turn into this movie in, in a lot of ways. I mean, and th- so the scenes that really straight that, that I watch now that, that, um, that, that hold more meaning for me are, are the scenes where it's uh, kind of in that in-between period where, you know, he's just gotten divorced. She's just gone through this breakup. Those scenes for me, you know, are, are funny and sad and, and true in, in ways that I didn't even pick up on when mm. I was a kid. So, you know, when he's talking to Bruno Kirby in Giant Stadium about the things that happened and that led yeah. to his divorce, you yeah. know, and where they're sitting in a restaurant just kind of like connecting and talking about things that went wrong with the relationship, those are the scenes for me now that it's, it's hard for me to pick just one, but it's uh, the movie connected with me, connects with me in a different way now than it did, you know, 20, 25 years ago. And I think that uh, um, represents why this movie is so good uh, in that. It shows a relationship. It's a romantic comedy that shows a relationship about two people that develops them to the point that you understand why they get together mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. they were there for one another and they were friends and. for one another. Um, hold on one second. I'll finish my thought before I forget what I'm going to say. Um, this better impress me. It's not really going to be very impressive. But so many, the, so many reason, the reason that so many romantic comedies are bad is they don't do the hard work of making the characters actually feel like they need to be together for it to be emotionally satisfying. It's a given that they should be together they, it's the a given because they're the leads you, yeah. in a movie and they're both, and they're both attractive. attractive. Right. And right. this movie doesn't do that. This movie actually works for that relationship. Right. And yeah. I think that if I was going to argue why this stands out, why it holds the test of time, that's it. Yeah. And right. yeah, real quick, I want to jump in because I didn't want to get out of the favorite scene. Actually, I really enjoy the scene where they're on the, the date, the double date. Oh, that's a good and scene. how miserable it's oh, going yeah. with each other, and then all that's of a sudden the one girl saying the painfully awkward moments oh, it's where it's great. still funny. It's yeah. great. It's so believable. I remember yeah. sitting there like I've, I've been there. I know. Oh, well, it. I just love the and scene. Then she, like, and he's from New Jersey too. Oh, that's yeah. great. Where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> all right, it's the end of that. We're right. Yeah, that. And I've been. There. I've done uh, like I've been in that situation. You're like, uh, yeah, this is true. And then I love that she quotes him, and he's like, mm-hmm. you can see how well how he comes alive. This guy with the you know this guy sitting there depressed and miserable, and all he's like, you you just quoted me. I never said no one's ever quoted me to myself. It's amazing. I think the point is. Is that you never know when like the, the romantic chemistry can just come from anywhere, right? right? And how like, like how believe I, I bought it immediately. Like, you could just see. I mean, a phenomenal job by uh, Kirby. I think his, his acting and how how you can see his face just light up when and what yeah. real good conversation is and how they can immediately agree on something. And I'm like, right. that's phenomenal. And right. shortly after that, when when he's like, yeah, I'm gonna get a cab, so I'm coming with you. And then, yeah. like, right after that whole setup, <laughs> yeah. where they're working with another person. <laughs> it's a little slapsticky, but yeah, yeah it's, 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 I thought it was great. I just thought it was. <laughs> I laughed. I laughed out loud. Well, it's uh, like a good punchline to that. And whole that's where scene. the movie I think is. Um, it kind of transcends. That's where the movie borders this line between, oh, it's a realistic relationship drama, a Woody Allen movie, so to mm-hmm. speak. And then it goes like, oh, we're doing a little bit higher yeah. and slapsticky. Yeah. Uh, that's why I said, like, the exaggeration of it, I think, is, is it's fun. They, they do fun stuff mm-hmm. here and there. So they, could, they have good jokes. It's a comedy, you know? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. All in all, this is a pretty good movie. Uh, I guess we're going to start winding down. Dave, is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, just, just wanted <laughs> is to there point anything out, else? Well, I just wanted to point out that uh, the, the look of this movie, I mean, I... I it, uh, DP Barry Sonnenfeld. Barry Sonnenfeld, who uh-huh. be, went on to become a director uh, who directed the Men in Black series and uh, Get Shorty and... and Delicate. Yeah, yeah. No, no, Diner. No, no. Diner. No, that was, that was Barry... Uh, 
Levinson. Barry Levinson. <laughs> <laughs> and that was before this movie, so... But Wait, it's also on. kind of a classic. I've never seen it. Barry Levinson, who directed Rain Man and won the Oscar. That's what it is. Okay, yeah, Rain Man and... What else uh, did Sonnenfeld direct? Oh, he directed RV or something? Yeah, no, no. He, he, oh. he, he directed uh, Men in Black and Get Shorty and then a lot of other oh, mostly bad movies. Oh, the Wild Wild West. Yes, a lot of bad movies. But he was a really good cinematographer. He also shot Miller's Crossing, which we discussed on this oh, podcast. Oh, hey. And, uh, so he, and uh, a lot of Rob Reiner's movies in that, during that period. So I think he, he, he loves sh- leaves. Leaves, yeah. Leaves. He, Big he fan makes of leaves. he makes the seasons look very seasony. I he love shows up on the set. And he's just like, "We're any more leaves, boys? Very, Let's go." Very seasony. You know, like like I love you know. There's so many. It's very leafy. The way winter looks and like you very know, wintry. The, the Christmas trees and the like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but uh, merry know. little Christmas. All like all that. All the all the tone. All the way the uh, the. Mm-hmm. The tone they give New York is really well. Romantic. That's a great point because, it is, it is, as you said, it's almost a love letter to New York, but mm-hmm. it's a love letter to New York throughout every season. Very you seasoning. get wind, yeah. You get it through the winter and fall, and you get these certain moments that feel. Um, he does. He does a lot of groundwork visually in establishing the setting, which is great. Um, I think so. I think it is worth no- noting, and the movie does look really good. Actually, yeah. I, yeah. I love the way this movie looks. Yeah. Um, I do. Someone sent me this um, article that was done. I can't remember. It may have been done by AV Club or something about when Harry met Sally or Vi- maybe Vice. I don't mm-hmm. know. And they talked about how through visual composition, Rob Reiner establishes them getting closer in their relationship as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, like they start off like there's always a barrier between them uh-huh. um, in the start of the movie. And then as the movie goes on and they get closer, that goes away and they become close with one another mm-hmm. and the way he frames shots. And a, a really interesting example of this where it starts to turn is in the sequence that Mike was talking about where they're on the double date with mm-hmm. their friends. There's a move where the camera rotates around. Mm-hmm. So it has uh, Sally sitting next to Bruno Kirby's character mm-hmm. and the camera rotates around and then as it's rotating around, since uh, Billy Crystal's sitting across from him, he creates the intersection and overlaps Bruno Kirby. So then it's just it's Billy Crystal and Sally together nice. in the shot, and nice. Bruno's been cut out of it. Hmm. So it's a very interesting... I'll try to link to it in the, the show notes hmm. um, on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. But it's just interesting little things like that. And, and even just like w- the What do you think theme? the uh, split, split screen stuff? Yeah. Not a, not a fan? I'm fine with that. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, I think I think that there were that was also a Woody Allen uh, reference. I'm not nod. sure. Nod to uh, maybe Andy Hall again, but I'm not completely sure. But uh, it, it, you know, that in particular, the scene that stands out for me is the one where you know they they have slept together and then they're you know they're on yes. opposite sides of the screen and then and it's uh, all Bruno it's, Kirby it's and Carrie Fisher like a, uh, are in bed together and yeah, yes. everything just seemed perfect. That's in a time. great scene. Yeah, yeah. It's very. It's almost Abbott and Costelli. Right. Costelli. Right. Costelli. Costello-ish. Right. Costello-ish. Yeah. It's, uh, it, 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 feel, it doesn't feel realistic, but it feels you know it feels honest to the to what's, yeah. what's happened in the movie Pretty already. Intentions. Yeah. So yeah, I liked uh, I liked a lot of stuff, and I read that. Um, a lot of the uh, this, the earlier split screen stuff, where you know, they're talking about Casablanca, which is kind of you know a little kind of there's a little kernel of Casablanca romanticism running through the movie, and then you know that's the reason I guess it ends in such a romantic way. It could have ended with them not getting together, like um, you know it, it probably could have worked very well as a movie, and then they didn't end up together. Um, but I think that you know it's almost like it's countering Casablanca, which is I guess I'm kind of spoiling Casablanca, but it's, but it's, fam- it's famous for having this scene. Here's looking at you, kid, and uh, you know them splitting at the end. And anyway, mm. um, you know I, I like I like I like those split screen scenes, and um, yeah, I think they work pretty well. 
Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I, I was going to say, I, I, it was actually one of the scenes I remembered from when I saw it in college. Is I, I just cracked up. It, it, the scene after they first sleep together, and they so they just like pull away, and it's, you're expecting the Billy Crystal's Hollywood, eyes. Yes. Like, his face. eyes. I, cracked. So I saw. <laughs> I knew it was coming, and I still laughed. You expect them to be sitting there like, oh, we finally got together, and we're happy, and she's so happy and thrilled and in love with this guy, yeah. and he's just sitting there. What did I just do? Yeah. Which I think is brilliant as far because at the beginning he's just looking to hook up with people right yeah um and then at some point he gets his heart broken to the point where he can't well no but that's not true because he's still he's still sleeping around with a bunch of different women he's making but he's not connecting with anybody not connecting with anyone um and you would like i thought it was interesting it was interesting choice and i i I agree with what they're i think what they're trying to say is the fact that he should have been able to hook up with her and just been like okay that was fun Mm -hmm. see you later and she should have been more like oh god what did i just do but i think what's interesting is that she I think it's something that he's never really necessarily experienced before, which makes you, it says a little bit about his, his marriage then, too. I feel like he was stunned because I think he legitimately cares very much and loves this woman um, to the point where I think he felt almost like, well, this is not normally how it goes. I usually just, you know, hook up, we're done, it was fun, I'll see you later. Mm. This is the first time where I think he actually, ca- he really cared about her, and I think his reaction is interesting because mm. it's not what he's normally used to. Right, he's confused. Right? He's confused, So right, when you're confused, right. a lot of the times you become uh, you know, paralyzed, like, I don't know what to do now. So and I, and I, that's and, what that saying. Yeah, and I'm wondering, I, I think that scene, he said something, I think he said something later, he felt like he was getting smothered and he got like terrible. But I think it's, he, he realized that he was in love with her at that point. He realized like the extent of it and he was like, oh my God, I'm like, I am in love with this woman. I just, what, I gotta get out of here. This mm-hmm. is gonna be like, I just, I think that's an interesting take on, I think normally it would be the opposite, where he would be like, finally scored her, after all these years, I finally did it, and the girl's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a mistake. Mm-hmm. They would have broken up that way, I think. I, I like this this opposite, you know, mm-hmm. he kind of calls it off. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who's all about just sleeping around, he feels weird about it, which I think is right. is telling when he cares, really cares deeply about somebody. Yeah. Um, I did have an issue with her being upset that he was leaving the next morning because didn't he just have to go to work? Isn't that normal for him? No, but he was him? doing the thing. Was just, it, was I think s- it was just the tone of the conversation. Exactly. Where it was just like very, I have to bail. Very, very, yeah. Like, Especially because yeah. he had told her previously. I just, I just tell him I just, I gotta go squash game, whatever. And yeah. like, he just gives. He didn't do the romantic kind of thing you might expect on a first uh, make you her know, breakfast. Like you know, like right. hop into bed and like caress her shoulders or something. Like, oh, what are you doing today, honey? What? Oh, so nice last night. I'm glad something. He just shuts down. He's running. He's like, I gotta change my clothes. That's his. Right. Excuse, I got to go home and change, and right. then I got this thing. She's it's a very, very mundane reaction. She's very vulnerable. Be. She's still in bed and naked, and he's dressed and ready to go. We're not the door. And gotcha. You know. He's actually going to leave without it. Probably even say, she wakes up, and he's on the way out. So yeah. he was probably going to leave without saying anything. Yeah. All right, I'll buy that. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. I wasn't selling it, but okay. Any other final? pleasure doing business? Uh, one other little interesting note: uh, Billy Crystal is reading the book Misery in this movie. Oh, <laughs> at one yeah. Point. <laughs> at one point, is that yeah. the one he flips to the end of? That looks at briefly. No, uh, well, he flips to the end of every book. Oh, every book, yeah. <laughs> okay. Which, uh, yeah. Well, this is before you said this is after he directed before he directed Misery. Uh, um, I just wanted to point out a couple lines that I really like. No, nope. I, lo- I love the scene. I love this was that, karaoke scene. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Was it before he had directed Misery? Was it that Misery was coming up? It was the Rob following Rob? movie. It was the next after movie. Misery. Yeah, that's okay, year. Got next it. year. That's cool. Um, I love the, I love the karaoke scene where uh, he does the uh, Sally. Please report to me. <laughs> you know, like a principal. <laughs> and uh, then they, they and they do uh, uh, the song from Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. The uh, story with a fringe on top. I mean, actually one of and, and when he was singing, my girlfriend was singing along when when that was happening. She had known the song. And I, I love the way that scene progresses and how he how, just stops yes. and she just keeps singing terribly and then and how dark it goes. You know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's like I love that it's not afraid. You know, wasn't afraid to like go into like really. Well, it wasn't that. Dark, and speaking of I mean, his relationship with his ex-wife, um, I like how little. 
I like how there isn't scenes of him with the ex-wife. Right. It's only it's only his perspective as told to Sally and right. other people. Right. Mm-hmm. But so you only mm-hmm. get her in that one brief glimpse, and I think that actually makes the movie more interesting in a way. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it also would have taken the movie to unnecessary territory. But I also like the uh, scene that was the kind of awkward. Uh, their awkward scene in the. Uh, the double date became an awkward scene between the two of them after they slept together where, you know, they're eating dinner, they're all dressed up like it's this really romantic date. <laughs> and he's like, uh, it's so nice when you can just sit with someone and not, and not have to talk at all, mm-hmm. isn't it? And she's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminded me. And then, you know, I, it, it, for whatever reason, it reminded me of that uh, Pulp Fiction and the date scene. Of course, it's very different take on that. Oh, that the whole idea, the idea is silence. That, that you can only be truly comfortable with somebody when you have, you can shut the hell up. Uncomfortable silences, yeah. yeah. So it's, and of course, it's, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable, uncomfortable silence in this right. Right. So, right. Um, anyway, so yeah, there's a lot of things in this movie that, to this day, I still think about. Like when you said the white man's overbite. Whenever I'm dancing, I'm like, am I doing? I'm am I doing that? Am I doing the in white fact, man's? I start pointing the phrase <laughs> white man's underbite. You dance like this, like, uh, yeah. No well, one can you see what that. you're doing. This is good radio. <laughs> it's, for, it's for it's for you guys. I do it for you guys. Um, okay, my final question about the movie before we close out: Does she convert? Come on. Uh, oh, he's Jewish and she's not. He's does he say no, that? no, no, no? Oh, they both celebrate Christmas, don't they? Yeah, yeah. There's no way that Billy Crystal is not Jewish. Yeah, no, she... <laughs> I, I mean, he, he, he doesn't he, celebrate he, Christmas. He's Why helping he her with the Christmas tree. He's helping life. her with the Christmas tree. That's right, no, no, that's clear. true. There's, he's a pagan, is, and she's a Christian woman. Yeah. Does she abandon her faith for this guy? Is that the question? <laughs> she abandoned her Wiccan faith. Because he's, he's definitely... <laughs> He's definitely not practicing. He's not a practicing Jew, so... Oh, who I knows? Think it's funny. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad you justified that joke, Ivan. That was... Did you guys like the uh, the last little bit where they, you know, it led up to them kind of telling their story? Yes. Talking about I, the cake? I that was phenomenal. Yeah, I like that. Like, it's, it's a really nice way to end the movie, I thought. And I feel like that that is kind of like, that's how you know they're going to be okay. They're going to make it in the long run. Like, right. They could, they could have ended on, that, like, on the New Year's Eve scene. They could have pulled back, dollied up into the classic scene, but mm-hmm. instead they cut to them kind of like... They're not bickering, but they're just like they're they're talking, and it's a very they're comfortable. They're a couple now. They're yeah, a and, and I like couple. and I like how they the way they both. I, I forget what they say, but I think he's like, oh yeah, she hated me at first. Like I didn't hate you at first. Like, yeah, you did. Like I just like their own memories and their yeah. own perception of how they originally started. I think that was. I mean, they great. start talking about the cake, and it's like the kind of stuff they would normally talk about in in a way that you would talk about. You know, yeah, that, you know, very natural yeah, rhythm, yeah. for sure. So uh, I guess this was a, a success. Um, at least it wasn't us gushing over the movie, hopefully, for 45 minutes. Because <laughs> it is intelligent it's discussion. A, it is a good movie. And it's, yeah. um, if you haven't seen this as a romantic comedy, this is a good one to check out yeah. um, because that genre is usually so awful, especially nowadays. Yeah. Um, so go check that movie out. Uh, before we close out this episode, I do want to remind people that they can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, uh, at uh, facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and uh, you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. Uh, so uh, always you can get in touch with us. I will mention that someone got in touch with us with the last show uh, to talk about our discussion about uh, Top Gun, uh-huh. where... Uh, we talked about who the enemies were, and I thought they were Russian, and he clarified that they are North Koreans because uh, North Koreans are the only ones who fly bam. MiGs. I fly MiGs. So <laughs> Russians do not fly MiGs, apparently, so I was incorrect, and Dave is correct. Thank also, you, they were in San Diego, and that's closer to North Korea, probably. Can you give the guy a shout-out? Can you, you can give, see can North you, Korea from your back I don't, window. It's just some guy named Mike, and it's not you, so <laughs> unless it was you. Oh, yeah. so, it was uh, me. Well, thank you, some guy named Mike. <laughs> um, for uh, clarifying that. And... Uh, 
I'm wrong as usual. Uh, so Except what, about pantsuits. I know a lot about women's fashion. Uh, <laughs> Mike, why don't you tell us where people can find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Mike Morandi and at MikeMorandi.com. Dave, what about you? Uh, you can find me at, uh, on Twitter at Dave Glanz. That's G-L-A-N-Z and DaveGlanzProductions.com. And you can uh, find me at Lucky9Studios.com. I write for a website called ShortOfTheWeek.com and uh, at Twitter at Ivan Kander. Um, Mike is uh, in our rotation. It is Mike's choice for the next movie we are going to cover in uh, two weeks. Mike, what film are we talking about? Do you not know? Uh, we can leave it up in the air. It's fine. Yeah, we can leave Let's it, leave it up. up in the air. We're yeah. gonna I would like to discuss it. I would yeah. like to pick something meaningful. All right. No All right. I will, if you're interested in uh, watching the movie ahead of time, which I think is a really good way to watch this show, we'll, because we'll post this something is, online. This, yeah, we'll post something on. Definitely, there will be a post on the Facebook page about the next movie we're going to cover because this is a lot more fun if you actually see the movie uh, fresh when you listen to it. Uh, so that being said, uh, we will see everybody next time with a. Mystery movie. Mystery movie. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. Me. Hello, this is Ivan. I've amazing as usual. (laughs) 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 I I wasn't expecting to be so turned on by my own voice. (laughs) That's this week's outtake. I want that in there. That's fantastic. (laughs) Hello, this is Ivan. Oh, I sound fantastic (laughs) as usual. Okay. Fastest bow and river guy. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, uh, you guys ready to do this?